Welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, Matt, and I'm joined by always by my co-host, JP. Um, hi. Now, I'm if you're watching or listening and you're going, wait, this isn't right. This isn't how things work. The universe is treating me wrong. This is not my moderator. If you think everything is screwed up, well, folks, there's a good reason for that. That is because there is chaos in the cosmos. I think that the mighty snap of Thanos has ruined everything. Maybe even retroactively throughout history destroyed timelines and stories that should be important but have been treated less so. That should be incredible but have not amazed. The, the whole universe, it's, it's off kilter. It's screwed up. And JP, today we're going to talk about it, but it has a title, and I'm not happy about it. And that title is Captain Marvel. Marvel's Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. Yeah. You see, you, you seem kind of bothered by the mention of the name Marvel, but I should probably remind you that's a, a pretty, pretty important character in the in, in Marvel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you don't. You don't, you're not you're not on board with it. You're not. I'm uh, not on I'm not on board with so much, JP. <laughs> I'm not I'm not on board. But um, I'm you. You can have your show back. But I'm, okay. I'm like I'm a child, and I, my feelings are hurt, and I'm not speaking with my friend right now, and my friend is Marvel Studios. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, so you're gonna talk, and I'm gonna be over here. Like, you're stupid. But. <laughs> I'm gonna work through it. This is gonna be some live on air. I can't even look at you while I'm talking. Wow. Some okay. live on air this therapy. Serious. This is pretty but serious. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out. We'll we'll make it. We'll be all right. Right. Okay. Well, like like Matt said, we're talking about Captain Marvel, uh, the latest Marvel film. If you're not familiar with Captain Marvel, Brie Larson stars as Veers, an extraterrestrial warrior who finds herself caught in the middle of an intergalactic battle between the evil Skrulls and her people, the Kree. After crash landing on Earth in 1995, Veers discovers that she is actually U.S. Air Force pilot Carol Danvers. While on Earth, Danvers joins forces with young S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Nick Fury, and together they try to piece together her past life while also attempting to stop the Skrulls from taking over Earth. As Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers uses her cosmic powers to try and put a stop to the war between the Kree and the Skrulls once and for all. And that is Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the movie was released uh, yesterday uh, as of recording. Uh, you know, this comes out Tuesday, so it would we'll have have gone through its weekend numbers. I'm sure it's going to do pretty well, as they normally do. Um, so, yeah, you saw Captain Marvel, and that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to go ahead and ask, um, Matt, what are some of your initial initial thoughts about Captain Marvel? All right, now, let's switch over to Sirius for a second. Okay. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at it two ways for you, JP. Okay. The first way I'm going to look at it right now is just I'm going to pretend that Marvel did not make any other movies and that this is the first Marvel movie I walked into the theater and I th sat down and saw. And I will say, yeah, it was good. The acting was good. The characters were interesting. The plot was 
okay. Serviceable. Um, I found, yeah, I found moments of it somewhat cheesy, but overall I enjoyed the, the tone and the comedic nostalgia that was played throughout the movie. And yeah, it's a fun time. You should see it. Okay. Is that good? We understand that one. I feel like yeah. you're going to put it in, into context yeah. now. Now let's now let's look at it from another direction. This is m- movie 974 that Marvel has made for us. We have seen 973 previous incarnations of superhero characters, some of which I had never even heard of before, before their movies came out, and some of which I heard of and was like, I really don't want to watch this character. And they made me fall in love with them. Case in point, they turned a a Viking from the sky into a character that I actually love and adore and with Thor in a movie that was like, hey, look at this guy. Here's a reason to care. And I loved it. In all fairness, it did take them quite a while for that for, for Thor to arrive at a place where everybody loved him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That, that's just mm-hmm. saying. Yes, quite a while. Mm-hmm. It took quite a while, like one movie. And then... Oh. I walk into the theater last night and I'm excited because this is a movie that has been talked about and has been said how important it's going to be and a character that may, may very well prove to be the most important figure in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Well, it was certainly pushed to be a, a milestone in there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And but I mean, and from story wise, this is supposed to be a major character who's being introduced right now. That's going to help be a part of writing everything that's been wrong. Mm-hmm. And the movie was fine, right? And it, by Marvel standards, to me, that means the movie sucked. Um, so if I had never seen another Marvel movie, or maybe even, let's say maybe even there's only, you know, like one or two, you can excuse, like, let's say an Iron Man 2 and be like, you know, it's still fun. And then you go back and watch and be like, yeah, Iron Man 2 really doesn't hold up. But that's okay, because we're at the beginning of this. We are way into this now, and I was not happy with the treatment of this character and this plot. At all, you know. I actually, you know, there's there's an interesting thing happening here, though, that I that I think is that is sort of something that's talked about in um, criticism circles. It's been talked about for for decades, actually, since like Pauline Kael was writing for the New York Times, um, or not New York Times, a uh, New Yorker, um, where you you've said like within the context of the other other Marvel movies, not a solid movie. But on its own, without that context, pretty good. Yeah, Pauline Kael and and many of her contemporaries would argue that that your your initial reaction that without the context of the movies, that is pretty good, is your actual feelings towards the movies and what should be considered more valid than your within context review. No. Do Do you want to do spoilers or do you want to not spoil the movie? Oh, just do the spoilers. Just okay. warn people. We're doing spoiler- spoilers. <laughs> um, How do you feel about Brie Larson? So what do I think about Brie Larson? Yeah. I thought that she was great in the movie. And I'm not just saying that. I thought she was great. I thought that she was fun as a character. I liked her 
I liked her portrayal where she's kind of, because I believe this is a lot with Marvel, but it's also a lot of the actor's choice with how childlike she can be at points and then how very, very strong and adult, like she can deliver another line. She is so she it's has like, vulnerability, but she also has an edge. Right. So she she fits this Marvel character like perfectly with we're used to these characters who can in one minute be joking around like they're a bunch of kids just playing while they're fighting people, you know, like um, Captain America telling Iron Man to watch his language and Iron Man going off on him while they're having like a life or death battle against an entire army of people. She will fit perfectly into that world and Brie Larson's, Delivery of it is, I think, incredible. I think that I love her timing with her lines. I love her tone with the way she does it. I love when she switches over to funny, but then can turn it in almost like the same sentence and make you feel what's actually happening. So I thought her acting was incredible, and I thought she's great as a character. I thought Marvel just stomped on this character and didn't give it anything it should have had, and that makes me really mad makes me mad yeah i agree with that. i think she's a terrific actress i think she really delivered uh in sort of capturing what they're always looking for with their characters and how they're being portrayed which is that sort of writing that line between like you can make an audience laugh and also like really feel for you and also kind of kind of um present a sort of edginess that, especially her character i think she had sort of mm-hmm. a more edge than most characters do yeah and, and i think that she she is the one who's shown in this movie. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but she, do you know you're glowing? Uh, oh, but um, <laughs> but I think that uh, Jude Law and a Samuel L. Jackson were upstaged by her. I think that she brought her A game mm-hmm. and she, I thought she did great. I did. Yeah, I did too. Um, yeah, but... I think I think writing wise, you know, I, I don't I don't know that they completely landed the character in terms of like development. <laughs> what development? Yeah, see I feel like I feel like where there are moments where there could have been some development were sort of replaced <sighs> by quippy lines, especially between we... especially between Fury and 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 and, and um Veers, I guess Carol, we... whatever. We are literally introduced to a brand new character by given by being given the backstory of I don't have a backstory. That is her backstory. And throughout the movie, we're supposed to discover it. And instead, what they kind of do is at the end go, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what happened. Oops, back to the action. Yeah, it's it's definitely. um I think Marvel has become like very hyper aware of how people feel about origin stories. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've been trying really hard to like push something different and do something yeah. new. So they've, they've seriously reversed the mold so much JP that in this, they went into the literal negatives. We will go backwards and take away the origin story. It's like Jason Bourne. And then have to work your way back toward it. Yeah. And, it, 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 and it just the execution of it was so False flat. mundane. Yeah, yeah. It just I just like, eh. And it's like, oh, here's the here's the character that you're supposed to care about and hurt and 
her life. So Captain Marvel's number one person she loves. And when you meet him, you're like, I don't know who you are. I didn't know who you are. And I still don't know who you are. And I saw the whole movie. Yeah, that's upsetting. That's, you know, and most of the movie is trying to figure out who Annette Bening's character is, you know, Wendy Lawson, who is actually supposed to be the original Captain Marvel, uh, Marvel mm -hmm. from the comics. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's, there was supposed to be more emotional attachment between those two characters because when you think of characters who kind of like pass the torch to other characters throughout the Marvel universe, they have a very deep connection. Like I, I, I see think about like Dr. Erskine and Captain America in the first Captain America movie and how much Erskine like influenced Captain America with his, you know, with like his wisdom and his like views and stuff. And when Erskine dies, like you really feel it. And then there's also like, and, and, I mean, Ant-Man, you know, where Michael Douglas and um, Paul Rudd, their interaction and their their relationship. They give um, they give more time to Ant-Man's pet ant <laughs> than they give to building any relationship in this movie. Yeah, and I, th I found that to be really disappointing because I feel like, you know, Wendy Lawson is really just like, she's kind of like a, a MacGuffin in a way. Mm -hmm. Even though even though the <laughs> the Tesseract ends up being the MacGuffin, she thought was kind of interesting. Um, but um, once again, the Tesseract is a MacGuffin <laughs> for the third time. Um, but they, they kind of literally turn it into the glowing briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a glowing Fonzie lunchbox. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But they, yeah. So. Um, but like, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, Wendy Lawson or Marvell, as she's her real name. Um, yeah, I feel kind of I feel kind of let down about that because I feel like there's to be a, a much more emotional punch when they kind of face off, even though it's a super intelligence, not actually Marvell. Um, but she's just like, oh, she's just a scientist person, and she, well, she's actually like a Cree, and she's trying to develop this technology. But it's like that's it. They they don't do anything to kind of endear that character to Carol or to us, aside from like what her mission was, which is like obviously I kind of care about that. But it's like, where's the emotion? You're like, well, where's where's yeah. the, the real connection? Star um, Trek First Contact did a better job of building a character <laughs> that built a light speed engine and causing us to care about it. Uh, you're talking about, uh, Z uh, Z what's his name? Z Z Zephyr? Zephyrin Cochran. Zephyrin Cochran, yes. Yes, you're uh, welcome. Don't, don't try to be a good man. Just be a man. Yeah. <laughs> and sadly, um, that was better. But carry on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and that's, you know, that's sort of like, that's kind of like my overall criticism, which was like, well, where is the endearment in, in any of these characters and in, in, in the story? I kept thinking about Wonder Woman because they're similar in that, like, you know, Wonder Woman was supposed to be a big milestone for DC because it's the first, well, not the first, but like, like DC's first time centering on a woman superhero. And so it was supposed to be a big monster for them. It was a big deal for them. It had to be great. And they were also kind of fighting the tide of like really horrible criticism <laughs> from the movies and stuff. Um, so it was a big deal. Um, and Marvel has kind of touted for a while that this is supposed to be a big milestone for them as well. Like in the same way that um, Black Panther was a milestone and that it was, you know, made by a crew primarily of people of color with a cast primarily of people of color. And so like it had to be good. And it was. I mean, I, I have feelings about it like, I have, I have own, my own criticisms, but regardless of how you feel, um, I, it delivered the goods so much so it got nominated for Best Picture this year. 
Um, and then, you know, there was also Thor Ragnarok directed by Taika Waititi. And that was kind of considered to be a big milestone because, you know, he's a person of color from New Zealand. Um, so, and, and that movie also delivered and stellar. Both movies are people love. <sighs> Captain Marvel, it, it just, it doesn't live up to trying to be that. And I think it really, the reason why is because they really sort of missed out on really endearing us to her the same way that we're so endeared to Wonder Woman. Like I think of Wonder Woman and all the moments where you're like, I love this character. Like the moments where like she sees like the baby for the first time and then, or, or just like the big no man's land scene, which like everyone still loves. Incredible. Yeah, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. And I'm glad it's just me and you talking. There's nobody ever gonna hear this. And that <laughs> once I say it, it's gone forever and can't be used against me for the rest of my life in any way, shape or form. Um, but DC won big time. In uh, this so if, if, yeah. If you um, want to, yeah, if you want to get Wonder Woman against Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman. Totally Wonder wins. Woman blows this movie out of the water. Yeah. And I never thought that I, when Wonder Woman came out, I was like, that is incredible. And they finally made a movie that's like on par with Marvel. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, no, they beat you. Marvel. <laughs> like, yeah. How, uh, I think a yeah, lot no, of that. That one's so good. And this one's so, this one's so okay. That's all just okay. Yeah. And, I, and I think a lot of, Wonder Woman's success um, came from the fact that it was made by, it was directed by Patty Jenkins, who is like a, just like a phenomenal director. Um, she only directed one movie, like maybe almost 20 years ago, which is like, it's kind of sad that, you know, she wasn't really given much to do. Um, but she, in the meantime, she's worked on a lot of, she had worked on a lot of television. Um, like, I think she worked on like Breaking Bad and I think she had a to Game of Thrones. I can't really remember. I might be thinking of another director, another female director that, with that kind of photography. Um, so yeah, Patty Jenkins is great. And I think she's kind of the big reason why Wonder Woman did so well. And she was able to endear that character to us. This film, Captain Marvel, is directed by um, a, a directing duo, uh, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, uh, who directed um, movies I haven't seen. <laughs> Uh, but they're sort of like, um, you know, Marvel did their thing where they kind of look for young talent who has sort of made like kind of festival darlings or like low budget darlings. And they just kind of like swoop in and pick them up and give them, you know, one of their big tent poles. And I don't know, I, I kind of feel like it's sort of, I feel like it kind of lands on them a little because I feel like, a lot of there's a lot of incoherence in maybe the first half of the movie. Did you kind of feel that at all? Yeah, there's inconsistencies, but now that makes even more sense. There's two directors. Like you're, I mean, you can make it work, but you're going to be kind of have little tone differences if you've got two different people at the well, helm trying to steer well, a ship. It, I mean, it, it's they're. I mean, they've they're really. They love the Russo brothers, and they're kind of giving them the reins of like the Avengers movies and stuff. And yeah. they're a duo. Yes, I, I see the inconsistencies in the tone at the beginning. I see, I see it there in the movie, and I think that some of that should be placed on the directors. However, with Marvel, I feel like more gets placed on the studio because these films are so formulaic at this point. Yeah, 
that the directors have an opportunity to give us a little bit of their tone and surprise us like Guardians of the Galaxy. But as far as how the movie plays out, the way it goes, the direction of Marvel's pretty much in charge of these things. It's like mm-hmm. they, they're guiding the ship from Iron Man 1 till Endgame and every little piece of it, they're steering around where it needs to go. So I, I think, yeah, some of the some of the inconsistencies and stuff are obviously placed on the directors, but I feel like it, with Marvel, it's just it's a larger it's a larger thing. When there's inconsistencies in the movie, that means the studio itself has made a misstep. Yeah. Um, because the directors, like I said, they can add their style, they can have say in how this movie steers, but as far as the actual point A to point B of it, Marvel's already got planned out. Yeah. Um, so it's Marvel's fault if there's a big, a big stumble. Um, well, so yeah. Something I want to point out, and it's usually kind of the sign of not a solid story or a solid narrative, and you know, also kind of an incoherent sort of a muddied story. Um, I'm looking at IMDb. I kind of noticed this while watching the movie during the credits. According to IMDb, there are. Uh, eight writing credits for this movie. And um, I would say it looks like three of those are screenplay credits and two of them are from the two directors who wrote, who who directed it. And then there's one, two, three, four story by uh, credits, which, you know, this could all just be like arbitration, (laughs) like trying to get credit for, for whatever was contributed but usually it's kind of like a bad sign if there's that many. Oh yeah, when when it writers. starts climbing a number of writers, that means they couldn't figure out what to do with it. And man went through like a lot of revisions mm-hmm. and a lot of like, well, we keep this writer stuff, we'll take this writer stuff out and we'll keep this here and take that on just the, um, and, I, and I kind of feel like, you know, a lot of what, I. I I think about the movie Thor and some of the big criticisms back then was that they wanted to see more of like what was happening in the cosmic part of the story and everything that was happening on earth was like really boring and interspersing those two. It just it wasn't very coherent. But no, I, I agree with what you're saying is I think for the most part, we've kind of as an audience moved to the cosmic level of these movies where we're like, you brought us all the way out here. Don't try and shove us back in the box over here. Um, yeah. Keep it growing. So yeah, um, I, I see that. So yeah. And um, I don't know. I just thought it just, I don't, I didn't think it, it jived that the, well. The so opening, the opening of this movie and the introductions to our characters, the world the universe, JP, universe, not world, mm-hmm. because it starts on a different planet. Um, the universe feels too small in this movie from act one. Uh, we see the city she grows up in, but most of it seems to take place in like two rooms and narrow hallway. <laughs> where we hallways. Have a, <laughs> narrow hallway where we have a little fight. Um, they didn't build it out like they usually do and give us the giant grand views of, I mean, think of like Ragnarok when they're in Hulk's room talking, it's a massive window behind him showing an entire city. Or just like um, Wakanda and uh, Black Panther. Yeah. And this one, it's like, no, you're in a hallway. 
there's no windows in our hallways. You just get a hallway. Um, you fight on a little stretch like you're on a fencing mat. Um, have at it. And then they go to another planet and it's like you get 10 square feet of sand with some styrofoam looking rocks in it to pretend that you're on. It felt like an episode of Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Like we're, we're walking around a stage set and fighting the, the green aliens with our laser guns. And then we move on to the next scene. It felt like an away party on Star Trek. And it did not feel like the grand level Marvel universe that we've been given. And I felt cheated by that. So what did you think about the uh, um, some of the other characters that were introduced? Uh, you know, they, they brought back some of the Kree characters from like Guardians. You had Ronan the Accuser make his little cameo and then uh, Jaiman Hansu playing his character. And then he had, you know, Jude Law and Samuel Jackson, two really great actors. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I know you say Brie Larson kind of stole the show, but what did you think about, you know, them? I thought they did. I thought they did good. Um, I thought they did great with what they were given. Uh, Jude Law is hit or miss with me as it is. It's just a preference thing with his acting. Sometimes I see him in something and I'm like blown away and love it. And other times I see him in something else and I don't buy it like the second it starts. Um, I don't know why. That's just a personal bias thing. So I can't, I have no backing up for that. Just sometimes he comes on screen and I'm like, oh wow, nailed it. And then sometimes he comes on screen and I'm like, eh. And to me, this one was more like an eh. But yeah. I thought he did great. I thought he was, I thought he did well with it. But as far as him as the character in a Marvel movie running around in that outfit fighting people, I didn't, I just, I couldn't get into it. You didn't it's like, like the switcheroo? It's like going back and watching um, The Phantom Menace and watching them, like, um, I always pronounce his name wrong. Ewan? Ewan McGregor. Is that how you say it? Ewan? Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Watching him run around as a Jedi, and when I look back now, I'm like, mm, no, I don't buy it. Um, that's kind of how this felt, felt. He didn't fit. I feel like Jude Law Jude Law has too much of a presence to be running around in that kind of a costume. And I, so he's like got such a polarizing presence to me that, like I said, when he walks on screen, I'm either instantly in or instantly nope. And him coming out on screen in that outfit and kind of just being... Well, yeah, I'm a superhero. It it didn't work for me. I feel like his his presence was too much, and that role was it. He made the role seem cheesy because of how good he was acting. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, what did you think about their sort of relationships with with uh, Carol? Because I kind of feel like they were trying to do like a like a dichotomy. You know what I mean? Like the, her yeah. mentorship relationship with. With uh, Yaga Roth, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to begin to try and pronounce character names. That's why I'm skipping by that completely. And then her relationship um, with with Fury. It's, supposed, it's definitely supposed to be like two sides of a coin, and they're both kind of teaching her something. Yeah, they. I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what else do you? Uh, no. They were definitely going for the the buddy cop thing with Samuel Samuel L. Jackson, and it was like, um, just the two. He he became Nick 
Harry was nothing but the comic relief to this movie. He does not serve a bigger purpose. He does not have a more meaningful role. He just is the comic relief to the point where he's stopping in hallways and spending 45 minutes talking baby talk to a cat. And I'm like, wow, you really like dumbed down that character for this role. That like, was, he was, develop, they were developing a relationship with the cat so the cat would like him. Become so him. that the cat would become a pathetic thing used just like stupid rolling things in the force awakens that chase Han Solo through the hallways. That's how I felt about uh, that cat. The wrath, 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 wrath. Yeah. I'm not, I don't give a crap what they're <laughs> called. I forgot it on purpose. Don't remind me of them, but those, that stupid scene where he's being chased around by that in star Wars, that's what that whole cat thing was to me. Um, it was just a, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> uh, I, and it was dumb. I, I, you liked it, didn't you? <laughs> I liked it the dumb. first time. I liked it the first time I did. Hey, that was surprising. That kind, that kind of surprise and joke has been stale since it was originally done in Men in Black. Um, which one? Men in Black? Are you Just the surprise of like, oh no, a cat. <laughs> like something being cute and cuddly and turning out to be scary. I, I think it's been done. I think Men in Black pulled it off, cracked us up, and ever since then other movies try and pull that kind of crap, and it's just boring. It's just I don't I don't like it. I see. It probably would have been funnier if scrolls were just afraid of cats. Yeah, if it was just a cat, I would have liked it more. <laughs> it didn't have to turn out to actually be something else. I was actually liking the whole cat aspect, of it, even though I found that cheesy and getting old really quick, and then I found out, oh, you made that joke die because you had to carry it out long enough to make another joke and have Pat turn out to be something. Got it. <laughs> glad I glad I held in for that one. But I liked like I, I liked the scene where um, there's no gravity. They go into space and all of a sudden they lose gravity and to see a cat floating around in yeah. zero G. Like for I was like, huh, oh, that's kind of funny. And it like grabs on to Samuel Jackson's arm. It's like <laughs> yeah. climbing down his arm. I thought that moment moment was kind of fun, but that should have been the end. Why didn't you have that be the payoff? Right. <sighs> so the big villains oh, no. are moving. Oh no, JP, we're forgetting that since we're doing spoilers here, guys, that the ultimate payoff is to have that super hilarious post, 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 post credit scene of him hacking up the hairball onto the desk, which is actually the Tesseract. That was the joke that this whole movie was made for. Is it weird that I was hoping that it was going to be Howard the Duck? <laughs> <laughs> In his third cameo. Mm. Just, just spit up. Oh, God. Spit up the Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> it, that would have been at least, yeah, that would have at least surprised me, and I probably would have laughed really good at that one. <laughs> but no, literally this whole movie and the whole point to the cat was to build up to the scene where, oh, here's what we could do. Let's have it hack up the hairball and it'd be a Tesseract. <laughs> yeah. And that's what they did. Well, I guess that's why they made it the stinger. Yeah, great. It stung, all right. Um, so the, the villains in this movie, at least at first, are uh, the scrolls? This is the first time we actually get to see the scrolls in the Marvel universe, which I was actually pretty excited about. And they really nailed it too. I thought they looked awesome. I loved the scrolls. Like I want to see, I want to see a bunch of movies with them. 
And I want Ben Mendelsohn to come back as Talos in other movies. I hope he comes back because I thought he did excellent as the head scroll Talos. Um, and, I, and I think it's because like Ben Mendelsohn, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with who that is, Matt. No, I'm not totally, but you know me he's, with names. He's kind of like Steven Spielberg's latest like go-to actor for like everything. Um, okay. He played the the BFG. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see it. No. Um, he, the most recent thing he was in was in Ready Player One. He played um, um, the old guy who left all the stuff. The I forgot his name already. I don't know. Yeah. No, apparently he was also the sheriff of Nottingham in the late Robin Hood. So. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the only good thing about that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, oh, he also played, um, he was in Rogue One. He played um, mm -hmm. that Imperial officer guy. Orson Krennic. Krennic, right, yeah. Um, he's a great actor, and he's having so much fun in this role. You can tell. Um, and that kind of goes back to, like, all, all the, like, like the things he, he's saying and the way he's living, it should be kind of, like, cringy, but it's not. Mainly because Ben Mendelsohn is, like, just a terrific actor. And also because it, it goes back to, like, what I always think of, of when I heard Joss Whedon on his commentary on the on the episode of uh, Prophecy Girl of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the first season, uh, when he talks about, like, when you have hold someone... On, in hold a, on, hold on. A moment for Buffy. Just a moment. Okay, carry on. All right. Um, <laughs> And uh, he, he talked about how, like, when you have an actor and so much, so much prosthetics, um, you know, you have to, like, liven it up. You have to give them some character or else it's just a guy in a mask. Yeah. And I think Ben Mendelsohn really recognizes that. And, like, he brought a lot of life just being, like, kind of funny and quirky. And it should be bad, but it's great. It works so yeah. well. He, I thought he did a great job. And to pull it off, like you're saying, in the in the getup and being the green alien guy, who sometimes it did seem like they literally had trouble moving their mouth because of the the makeup and stuff, and yet he made it all work. And I I really did. I, I enjoyed his character. I felt like he, if we're looking at the Marvel universe we've been given so far, and then introducing these new characters, you know, our minds now automatically go to how do these into everything else like what would it be like if this person's interacting with this person and this person's over here that's just how we think now because that's what's marvel marvel has taught us is we're going to bring together as many of these as we can as soon as we can yeah and i can see his character interacting in the world of guardians of the galaxy so perfectly that it, it just it's not even funny like to watch him interact with all of them and <laughs> I just I feel like that'd be great. He'd fit I right him in with there. Rocket. <laughs> yeah, you just plug him in right away and let it go. Like yeah. to to just see him his character carried over there would it'd be awesome. And his shape shifting ability, I could see them messing with that so much. I mean like Star Lord's um insecurity around Thor shirtless because of the fact that Thor is so much better than him, and then you got a guy who can shape shift into anybody. Like I just I see so many opportunities there for them to just uh, go after each other. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, his character and his portrayal of the character, I, I think, could fit great into the other movies. And he is he's a level of comic relief in this movie that I feel like everything else is lacking. Mm -hmm. He's got moments that were genuinely funny um, and the rest are not. 
So like, I feel, yeah, no, I want to see him. I want to see more of him. Yeah. So what did you think about the whole switcheroo? Like how, you know, you're supposed to think the scrolls or the terrorists. Uh, that, that was the only thing. And I know I was supposed to already know this, but guys, look, I love superheroes, but I have a horrible memory. So anything I read growing up as a child is gone. When I see these things, I'm like surprised all over again. So I know we should have known that they are bad guys and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't. So deal with it. So I liked that surprise. And yet, like I said, the second the movie starts, since we're at this point, and that's a big turn and you already blew it anyway. The second Jude Law walks on screen, I go, oh, yeah, he's actually the bad guy. And then when the big reveal happens, it's like, oh, cool. So, like, the whole quote-unquote enemy army turns out to be the good guys. And the other turns out to be the bad. And then I'm like, oh, but wait, really, all you're doing is serving my initial, yeah, he's the bad guy. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was good, but eh. I felt kind of dumb. Because, like, I, I was kind of surprised by it. Um, yeah, and I know, I know, because you and, told me. You should have known. <laughs> I should have known, because, like, the Kree have always been the bad guys in the Marvel movies. And, like, even two of the characters who are Kree are, have been bad guys in the other films. And they're just... Right, like, and, that's why, and that's why I'm telling our dear <laughs> viewers and listeners, who I love and adore and cherish, to shut up. I can't remember anything. Don't pick on me. <laughs> We forget. I forget. You. We forget. I forget. You. I forget JP's name five minutes after I talk to him. I have really to constantly annoying. remind myself who's on the screen. It's not okay. You called me Keith once. I'm like, who's Keith? I'm like, I'm like Dory from Finding Nemo. But <laughs> makes life more fun to be surprised all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So there was that kind of switcheroo you had, and. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, I can't think you're kind of right. It is really, you know, the foreshadowing in this movie is not that subtle. It's not foreshadowing. It's spotlight on the ending. It's, <laughs> it's like they Tarantino'd it, except they forgot to not actually just give you the ending. It's like, yeah, I guess with how the movie ends in build tour, except they just forgot to not accidentally go, Oh, we gave everything away. Yeah. I just <laughs> think, I just think ultimately, you know, I could kind of commend them for trying to like do something different with an origin story and yeah, kind of introducing this sort of amnesiac kind of sub kind of subplot. Though it just it just so much of it was detrimental to what to the end product because I think making her am like an amnesiac does kind of take away from her character a little bit. And even well, though she, even though like the character is is kind of interesting, they're just like you you can't really endear a character well, who has yes. amnesia. Yes and no. yes and no, but let me give you an example that as we're talking about, um, it's just I can't help but draw a parallel here. Um, there is a movie where a character begins the movie having no concept of their background. This is not the born identity, okay. Um, yes. But he has very clear and determined and defined, this is who the good guy is, and this is who the bad guy is. We spend the movie believing we're on the side of the good guys throughout the whole movie. And then at the very end, by going backwards and revealing what he's forgotten, 
we find out that who we thought was the hero is actually the ultimate villain of the movie leading our hero down the wrong path to purposely kill innocent people. And that movie is Memento. And if you uh, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say John Woo's paycheck. Yeah. Paycheck. <laughs> Reverse engineering. Reverse engineering, baby. Yeah. No, oh, I know paycheck. Um, if you watch Memento, there's a low, lower, much lower budget, less flashy effects storyline that pulls off this concept of a, a hero with no origin, pulls off that concept in a way that was actually incredible and surprises you at the end. How do you have, and that and every other Tarantino movie on the face of the earth, where basically it's like, here's how it's going to end. Now let's work it back. How do you have those examples and mess up so big if that's what you want to do? I think it, I mean, I, I think it's because, you know, Chris Nolan and Tarantino, you know, have a ton of control over their projects, especially the, especially, you know, you're talking right. about Chris Nolan why, and Memento, which is uh-huh. independent uh-huh. film, you know, Nolan has had complete control of it. His brother wrote the story. They could do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. This movie went through like eight different writers. Right, but and that's you why have the I whole say, machine breathing down your neck at the same that's time. That's why. That's why I say that the directors, all that, they get some of the responsibility, but the ultimate responsibility falls on Marvel. How how did they screw up? Because yes, they tried something different with an origin story instead of just here's where it starts and introducing us to the character. They tried to have this whole like born identity switch to it, where here's your character you know nothing of. Now let's figure it out. And yet we've seen that done a billion times in movies and done well. Case in point, we're talking about them, the Born Identity Memento. We've seen them pull that off. For Marvel to fail at that so bad, I mean, there's no payoff to it. It does not, it doesn't serve any form of like a an exciting payoff. Other than the reason they gave her amnesia is so that they could have the big surprise, you're on the side of the villains moment. Um, but that payoff feels so lackluster in the movie. And Mm -hmm. so like, eh, whatever, like the concept's incredible. You, your entire idea of your life is that you're on a planet of peaceful people that is trying to save the universe from these horrible things. And all of a sudden you realize one day that every single thing is a lie and you're the terrorist. That premise is like come on, how do you make it have no feeling? <laughs> how do you mess that up? <laughs> so like he, she has these relationships on earth. Uh, Maria Rambo played by um, yeah, Rambo. Shonda Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. Rambo. <laughs> uh, played mm-hmm. by Shonda Lynch. And it's like, I think, like I said, by, by sort of sacrificing that, you know, usually retreaded, origin story you, you do kind of sacrifice the the opportunity to endear her, these her, characters endear her to us through her relationships with like maria and her and her kid even though they do reconnect and they are trying to but it's just like it's uh, false it's, 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 it lands it doesn't land it doesn't land it it's yeah it's really poorly executed in this movie i feel like if they the way they did it, in order for it to pay off, this would have had to be like a nine-hour movie, and we would have had to spend like 
two hours just sitting in the living room with these two characters learning why they like each other because we're supposed to care about them, but she doesn't know them and we don't know them. Right. So it's like, other than, okay, so you're a human being. Um, I really have nothing else to care about. You know what I mean? Like as far as a story point of view. Um, yeah. It's just so poorly. Poor, oh, it's so poorly done. And I kind of feel like the sort of overall theming is not, there's not a whole lot of care given to it, which I kind of feel like the meaning of the film is, is, is the overall meaning and theme is supposed to be like, when you get knocked down, get back up. Yeah. Yeah, that and, payoff was so weak. That That's usually yeah. the moment in a movie. JP, I'm going to be honest with you. That scene where they show the literal message of the movie is that when you get knocked down, you get back up. They literally show you a montage of her getting back up. Um, that's usually the that's the that's the point JP in the movie when I cry. It's like they want to get back up. Like that's usually the point. This one I felt nothing. Yeah. I felt like I felt dead inside. I felt soulless. I felt like an evil human being because I'm watching this moment and I'm like, eh. And there also could have been more opportunity with you know that the last thing she says to Yorg Yorga Rog. Roth, I don't know that Jude Law. Sure. Last thing she says to Jude Law is that I don't have to prove myself to you. But uh -huh. I don't feel like she's really spending much of the movie trying to do that anyway. No, she doesn't. Prove, she doesn't try and prove anything to him. Like there's no, there's no feeling that she's weighed down by this need to impress him, yeah. and then realizes, huh, to prove anything to you. Like there's no, that there's just no payoff to the line. It's just like it's a fun moment. Give it a cool line, That's, but it should have been more meaningful. Yeah, it should have meant anything. Um, but the scene where she literally gets up and the scene where she learns her power and can stand and she makes a comment of like, I've been fighting with one hand behind my back. Let's find out what happens when I'm free. None of that paid off. Yeah. None of it paid off. And it should have all been big moments. I mean, that should have been the... Uh, Thor showing up at the battle with the rock music playing and his new weapon in hand and oh, like wiping the, out people. Just Wonder Woman um, discovering that she was the weapon the whole time. That was supposed to be the no man's land moment, I think. Um, Which part? When she discovered her, her power? When she stood up and broke off the AI stuff okay. and oh, stands yeah. up and... <laughs> um, and then it ends with Samuel... With, was it Samuel L. Jackson? Ends with him going, you're glowing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or you know you're glowing, right? I think that was supposed to be her no man's land moment, and there's no payoff to it. Whereas when Wonder Woman climbs up that ladder and steps her foot on that battlefield, like your heart stopped, and you're like, you just start going, <laughs> like you're like she's awesome, and you're waiting for her to like wipe out the enemy and charge, and like you so much in that moment like your face gets warm with pride because you're like the hero is is here we're all okay um this one uh, she i'm like eh, yeah good good for you okay. yeah and and you know i think i think what's happening matt and i i, I hate to admit it um and i feel like if, if chuck were here there, there would probably probably be a little pushback um but i kind of feel like you know a lot of people's big complaints toward comics these days uh -huh. especially mm -hmm. if you're a big comics fan which is that there is too much focus much. on the events that happen the event mm -hmm. um crossovers and stuff 
<clears throat> and I'm starting to feel like this was just sort of brushed over just so that we could get her to Avengers Endgame. Mm -hmm. So that we can start oh, establishing the next phase where we have Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Doctor Strange sort of taking the place of Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. 100%. When I left the movie, my exact thought was, okay, so that was filler. Yeah. Like, they literally made a filler movie, which up until now, I feel like Marvel has, they've had some missteps. Um, Doctor Strange wasn't the strongest movie, let's yeah. be honest. I didn't, I know you guys um, like Ant-Man Ant -Man and the Wasp, but I didn't think that was very strong. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I didn't, I didn't know. I told you, I thought it was good in the, like the same, no, I thought, I said it in the same sense of this, this movie. Okay. But there's a good, there's a good example. I said it in the same sense of this one. I was like, on its own, it was a fun, good movie. Put it in with the Marvel Universe and it was weak. And I said the problem with the Ant-Man and the Wasp is Ant-Man was such a small movie, no pun intended, because it was a literal intended pun from the movie makers, that this whole movie takes place in like one city block. Most of the action takes place in his backyard or in somebody's bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole point to the movie is they've had these massive Avengers movies. Now let's have a character we can bring it back and make it small again. Um, and they used Ant-Man as the literal embodiment of shrinking the franchise back down to what mattered, which is a relationship within a family and a father and a daughter and a wife. Um, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out and they took everything good about Ant-Man and kind of threw it out the window and went with the massive scale. So now they're driving as a tiny micro car around an entire city, which makes no sense at all. Like, why would you shrink down to take six years to get from your house to across the street? Um, Cause you're quote unquote, hiding. They're shrinking buildings down to drag, to wheeling luggage. Like they took Ant-Man and made it a cheesy joke inside of this massive universe. Whereas the first movie was um, bringing everything back to like the heart of Marvel. It brought it back to relationships and personal level and literally brought it back into the home. Um, and I feel like this movie felt completely like oh, we just need something to release so that people can go, oh, yeah, that's who that is. Um, so that she can show up in Endgame and be awesome. And that's so disappointing with me because Marvel has found its success and made billions upon billions of dollars, and we keep going back because of the fact that they've made us care about, about their characters every step along the way. Yeah. Every time a new character is introduced, I'm like... Oh, really? You're going to make an Ant-Man movie? Who cares about Ant-Man? What What the crap? And then I watch it. I'm like, Ant-Man's my new favorite. <laughs> and then like Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't even heard of them. What What do you mean there's a talking raccoon? What kind of stupid <laughs> crap is this movie? And then it comes out and I'm like, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy are my favorite. Like Marvel <laughs> makes you feel like you're friends with these people along the way. And I feel like they really gave like the middle finger to Captain Marvel. I just, I really do. I feel like they were like, eh, whatever. And just threw the movie out there. Um, and that really disappoints me. It really does. Yeah. I, and then I, I kind of, I do share some of the same sentiments. I, I think it was really just fine. Um, I think 
<clears throat> sorry, I'm like, I'm sitting in this chair and it's really uncomfortable. And it's like mm -hmm. a folding chair. It's like I keep shifting it around and Google Hangouts yeah, keeps coming back to me shifting. It's like, um, anyway. Um, you now know, you're I, making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I saw it in a pretty packed theater. And, um, you know, there is actually like a whole row of, uh, I want to say Generation Z girls in front of me. And, you know, I, 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 I don't, it sucks that it's not like this, this milestone that's like this great movie. Um, but, you know, they, they were like super into it. <laughs> like they were having a blast. And um, even like when uh, the Marvel logo shows up with that tribute to Stan Lee, you know, all, all the girls in front of me, they all started applauding and got the entire theater to applaud during that scene. And so it's like, I think it's it's good enough to, to satisfy like a certain audience, uh, like a certain like younger audience maybe, um, because it is like kind of a, just like a decent, you know, superhero mm -hmm. action sci-fi flick. <clears throat> but again, in the end, it's like, they're, they're capable of so much more. Like they had a whole stint of just doing like great stuff when it, they did like, what was the phase where it was, just, it was like, it was like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man Homecoming. I think he was, I think that was part of that phase. I'm not really, I can't really remember. Um, just like a set of like great films all in a row. But then like lately, like I, I kind of feel like after Infinity War, Infinity War, which like I kind of like less and less, like the more I watch it, to be honest. But also, I think I, I've also kind of noticed I'm not a huge fan of all the crossover movies. I noticed that about myself. Um, but just to say that, like, from Infinity War, which I, I'm still kind of iffy about, Ant Man and the Wasp didn't really enjoy. Well, and then there's this. I kind of feel like, oh, are we kind of like on a downward slope? Are we getting to like the end here? Like, yeah. I think if, if everybody, and I'm afraid we might be, and here's why. If you're listening to this and JP said that more and more he's starting to think that Infinity War is just not that great. And you're like, whatever, you're an idiot. I want you to stop and actually think about the movies because I think all of us love the giant Avengers over the top movies for the spectacle of going to the theater and cheering with the audience and being like, awesome. And then when it's over, Go back and watch them. Watch Avengers. Watch Avenger, the second Avengers. Watch the end, like Infinity War. They're not your favorite movies, guys. Yeah, Be no. honest. They're not. Your favorite movies are you have a character that you care about, and that character's movie is the one that you're, you're going to stand out as being your favorite. Um, and that, to me, is the strength of Marvel, the studio, is the character movies are the ones that we are fully into. The personal so story. Right, so that when the Avengers movie comes out, or when Captain America Civil War, which was basically, it was an Avengers movie. It was yeah. a Captain America movie. It was an Avengers movie. Um, by the time those come out, we care so much about each and every person on that screen that the giant spectacle movies are incredible and we love them. But when you go back and watch them, it's like, but yeah, they're just the obvious. Everybody gets together, beats the crap out of each other, and life goes on. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas the individual storylines are the ones that really you connect to and drive home. So when they start failing at their individual storyline movies, I think we're starting to see a little chink in the armor that might not, 
might not hold up if they don't get back on track. Yeah. Um, if they start relying on the spectacle, it's going to fall apart because the spectacle movies are only the payoff for all the work that we put in to get there. They're not our favorite part of the journey. They're just the big fun payoff. Mm-hmm. It's like when you were a kid and you were like, I would love to see like Hulk fight Thor. Who do you think would win? And you kept waiting for it. And then like the comic would come out and everyone would flip their lid and go out and buy the comic to see who's going to win the fight. And then when it's done, it's like, yeah, whatever. That was fun. I'm going back to reading Hulk. Um, That's what the movies are. Like the big spectacle movies are the huge fun payoff just to give us, that's where you do your fan service and you give us all the stuff we want to see and all the cheesy jokes that don't even need context because we've followed you for nine movies to get to this one. And that's where you do that. Your character ones need to matter. Your, your individual storyline ones need to matter or your spectacle movies just become a bunch of people on screen. We don't give a crap about running around doing something. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's what, that's where they failed me with this one. So, well, and you know, I think what's interesting is that, um, um, I don't know if you heard the news about DC, but they said that they were going to stop focusing so much on the shared universe aspect of the property and just focus on the individual stories. That's not necessarily say that like, oh, it's not a shared universe anymore. I think what they what they meant to say was like, we're not just gonna do a bunch of lead up to event films. They, they messed up and jumped completely to where Marvel is now. Marvel now is basically relying on their gigantic, massive movies that bring everybody together. Um, whereas DC was like, oh cool, we'll just start with that. So they started Batman v Superman and threw in a bunch of characters as an afterthought of like, oh, look, this person's coming, this person's coming, this person's coming, this person's coming. And then they- What if we start thing. with the event film? And yeah. then- And then they made- Exactly. No. Exactly. So Marvel's like getting to that now. It's like they had it right. They realized, no, we're not focusing on the shared universe in the sense that our goal is to get to Avengers. We're focusing on a shared universe in the sense that we're going to make you care about each character in this universe and then show you how they all come together. Um, DC messed up. (laughs) Like, just throw them all in the movie together. And people are like, I don't even like these people. Why are we watching this movie? Can can you imagine Um, how much different it would have been if if they just started their whole franchise with with just wonder woman like right out the gate i think it had been something more more identical to marvel success because that's like what Uh, they did i think i think yeah i think if that was their first movie and that's where it built from i think it would have been a totally different story completely um because that was their iron man it just happened after how many failures three 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 Oof. really bad. Well, no, not even three, because you've got to take into account like uh, the Man of Steel movies played was, into all well, this too. Man of, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Suicide Squad, and then Wonder Woman. Yeah, Did but, you forget about Suicide Squad. Yeah, I forgot about Suicide Squad. <laughs> Didn't we all forget about Suicide Squad? I'm excited about the sequel because uh, James Gunn is, is directing. So that's that's uh, no, be good. I'll be excited about the sequel if it turns out to be any good. I'll go see it, but I'm not excited about it till something <laughs> happens that's actually exciting. I've given up being excited about something until I see it now, JP. Because hype has done nothing to disappoint me. How weird would it be if like all of a sudden the pendulum just starts swinging now towards like DC's favor? And I become like a DC fan. <laughs> yeah. 
That would be. I told you. That would be like me going from my iPhone to finally being like, you know what, guys, better. Like, <laughs> Galaxy is so much better than the iPhone. Um, yeah, no, but it could happen. And yeah. I don't want to see. Um, so can we, as we we start tying up here at the end, mm -hmm. can I express another just little further example of how I don't know what I'm talking about, guys? I realize that. Okay. And how I get excited when I'm like, oh. JP, I was wondering why when they said her name, Carol Danvers, why I knew her name already. Why? Why I was like, they said Carol Danvers. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I got it. And then I'm like, wait, no, I don't got it. What do you mean? Yeah, why do I know her name when I've never knew known a single thing about Captain Marvel, like ever? I don't read comics like that. I never knew it. Um, because of Kara Danvers? Oh, yeah, Linda Danvers, and yeah. yeah. No, Kara Danvers is Supergirl. Right, yeah. And Carol Danvers is Marvel. And so then last night I got to discover the whole fun world of DC and Marvel basically suing each other over this character. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. I thought Carol Danvers existed before so, Linda Danvers no. came in. Let's see, apparently, apparently... Because um, I thought Linda Danvers was like a product of the 90s and Carol was really well, well, the names, I don't know who had what name first, but characters being drawn together, what I didn't know is that DC had a Captain Marvel first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Marvel created a Captain Marvel, right. and then DC tried to do them for it, and... That's they what had, and they had Captain Marvel die and become Carol Danvers, who took over as Captain Marvel. But Carol Danvers mysteriously has like the exact same name as Kara Danvers, who is Supergirl. Yeah. Like I love, I love that basically everything we're watching JP is nothing better than two giant, massive corporations that hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think Kara Danvers is a product of the TV show because in the I remember reading the comics in the 90s when I was a kid and reading uh, Linda Danvers was like a new persona that Supergirl had had taken on like in 96, 97 or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I don't think the Danvers name existed in DC before then. And I think I think Carol Danvers came like years yeah. before that. I don't, my, I don't point, my point is but the I'm Marvel not, thing is I'm true. Not, That's the, yeah. My point is I'm not enough of a nerd to know which one came first. And I don't mean nerd in a negative sense. I mean that's actually an indictment myself that I am not enough of a nerd to know which one came first. I want to, so please let us know. But my point is the only reason her name is Carol Danvers and Supergirl's name is Kara Danvers is because Marvel and DC hate each other's guts. Whoever did it first, the other person did it just to be like middle finger to you. Um, you ripped off our character, I'm stealing their name. And, and like, what's, what's coming out in just like a month or so after Captain Marvel? I don't know what's coming out. Shazam. Oh yeah, Shazam, which is their original Captain Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. And apparently, <laughs> it's probably gonna be better. I, it wasn't good. Jean, Jean Grey was like Miss Marvel originally or something. She's like Marvel that. Girl. Marvel Girl, Miss Marvel. Yeah, they they hate each other so much. It's so much fun <laughs> just to watch like mommy and daddy go at it, and and they always act like they don't care about each other. Yeah. I don't know. I hate them. Do whatever you want. I don't give a crap. Let's name our character exactly the same. Just exactly. Like it's what impossible. Was, uh, 
not think of us when you hear them. What was Stan Lee's uh, nickname for DC? I think, was it like uh, direct competition or something? Like, uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, uh, so someone correct me in the comments. Yeah. Something competition. I forgot what the D, I think it was like D. I don't know, I forgot. So, so, so anyway. uh, I think that's all the time we have. Um, you know, that's all the time I'm all the time I'm giving yeah. to this. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll give, I'll let you do your wrap up, but I'll give my final thoughts on the movie. You 100% should go out and see it. Um, you should 100% enjoy going out and seeing it and try your hardest to not notice the glaring fact that this is a fall short Marvel movie because the movie itself is a fun ride, but that's the problem is it's nothing better than just a fun ride. And from Marvel, I've come to expect more than that. Um, but it is, but it is fun. It's just realize this is more of your cheesy, straightforward, nostalgic romp version of fun. It's just go to it for like the, okay, that was cool. Um, and Lots of needle drops. A lot of, uh, yeah. Nine Inch Nails t-shirts, ripped jeans. I mean, come on, man. There's some things about this movie that are worth it. Um, garbage playing the song garbage. I mean, the band garbage playing the song. I'm only happy when it rains for people who like when I say garbage or what are you talking about? I was such um, a big garbage fan when I was a teenager. And it's like, oh, it's one of the yeah. most embarrassing. I, I <laughs> not specifically, great, but... the only reason I love that song and got so excited when it came on is because you brainwashed me like it i got so tired of hearing you talk about the i'm only happy when it rains and it like plays in the scene where he's driving like the convertible with the top down and um, okay it's 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 in an episode of x files yeah that's the episode yeah. of x files that stars bruce campbell and there's bruce a scene campbell where he's driving with the top down on his like red convertible <laughs> i know I guys I know. Why do I know? Because JP has told me this about two billion times um, in our high school life. That's why I know. Um, I'm a bigger X Files fan than him, and yet I got sick of hearing about that scene from X Files where he's driving around and, and it plays. I'm only happy when it rains. It's just because it's like my, my my favorite things were colliding: X Files, Bruce Campbell, and garbage. Like, yeah, awesome. Yeah. And we weren't, you know. Kids today, like everything's all mashed up and crosses over and everything, everything interacts. Back then, not, not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you um, just, you just kids today to the audience too. You're batting a thousand right now. Like them kids today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'm an old man. Uh, oh, got it. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, those are our thoughts on Captain Marvel. Uh, I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. Uh, kind of upset because they, it was sort of pushed as a milestone, and I thought it could have been much better. Uh, but wanted, you know, kind of, I wanted, I wanted them to give this the level of attention that they're giving Endgame. That's what I wanted. I wanted yeah. them to take this movie and treat it seriously and give it that level of attention and importance. Um, and instead, it just was. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. I think they just sort of drop the ball on endearing the character the same way that they they normally do. Like what they're usually so good at is like yeah. Us to love I, somebody. The way honestly, here's the here's the way here's the best way I can put it to try and sum up everything. Um I think it's worth saying I think you should go see it. But 
honestly, from my point of view, I would have rather the movie be incredible and blow me away, or I would have rather the movie was awful because they tried to be different and it failed. Because the only way Marvel's going to make an awful movie is if they try something completely different. Because at this point, it's so much of a formula that every movie's going to be okay. You know what I mean? So I would have rather it been incredible or horribly failed because at least I would have been like, man, they went for it with this one. Instead, what I see on screen is a little over two hours of apathy where they didn't care and give the time of day or give a crap about the character that they're putting on screen. And I find that more hurtful and in in light of everything surrounding this movie and the big deal they made about the movie more inappropriate than if they had made something amazing or had failed miserably yeah. um, because they took a risk and it didn't work. That that's just, I find it, it's a, I Marvel. I slap you on the wrist. Um, I, I don't, I don't approve. I didn't like that you didn't care enough to go for it with this movie. Um, and I, I'm disappointed in you, but, but I'm only assuming that this was literally a filler movie and you're going to blow us away with this character in the next one. So redeem yeah. yourself, Marvel, because we know you can, and there's no excuse not to. Yeah. Um, and and if, if, if anyone's listening out there, anyone important, Kevin Feige, if you listen to the podcast, uh, bring back Ben Mendelsohn. Tell yeah. Us. Cause he listens to the podcast. <laughs> um, and if he does, after two hours of saying how much we didn't like this movie, he's sure going to listen to our advice. <laughs> but last thing, the running joke, JP, the hot tub time machine ripoff. Can we talk about that for a moment? Oh, okay. All right. It made me so annoyed. I just have to say I'm annoyed. I got to get it out there. If you've seen hot tub time machine, they've got the, the maintenance, like the, what's the, what's the, the bellboy or whatever you call him. Bellhop. Yeah, um, it's played by Chris Bellhop. Glover is missing an arm and then they go back in time and the entire joke of the movie becomes oh this is when he's going to lose his arm and accidents happen to him all the time but he's always okay um they they pulled that bullcrap with nick fury in his eye <laughs> yeah i thought that was a weird choice um I, I don't know i didn't i didn't think it was very funny where it's like mm-hmm. oh it's a cat scratches i was like oh okay i mean i, I see the attempt yeah. I don't, anyway, I don't that, that's all. That's all. I had to get that out. I can't talk publicly and not address the <laughs> horrible disappointment I felt. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, they made they made Nick Fury nothing but a joke in this movie, and it is okay when he is a joke. Sometimes he has been before, but to make him nothing but a joke, I I didn't like it. Didn't like it. So carry on. All right. Well, what did you think about Captain Marvel? Did you love it? Are we completely in the wrong? Did we just like, did we miss something that you saw that, that you loved? Did, did, did you, did you hate it? Um, to tell us what you think, let us know in the comments, let us know in our, in our Facebook section, our Facebook page comments, whatever. Uh, and let us know what you think. Unless, unless it's, unless it's a, it's a bad anti SJW take or something. I'm going to delete that crap. Uh, we don't stand for that here. Um, so yeah, let us know what you thought. But we'll also just tell you we think you're bad. So don't worry about <laughs> it. I'm not against telling somebody I think you're stupid. Like, yeah. <laughs> but go ahead, carry on. Um, so yeah, let us know what you thought about the movie. We're interested in what other people think. And um, 
yeah, so that's that's Captain Marvel. So thank you so much for joining us and, and for listening. Like, Don't forget like, to like, subscribe, comment, ring. I'm at, I keep doing. I always point at the wrong. I think it's this one. The ring that bell to get the notification the whenever bell. we whenever we upload an episode to YouTube. I don't know that. Uh, and also, you know, leave a review on iTunes. We uh, that helps Please. us out a lot. Please, people, we know you're listening. We love you. Do us a big, huge favor. I don't I don't often like, please, please, but please just click and write like a two-sentence review on iTunes because that helps us not disappear yeah. in iTunes. We don't like, want to disappear. If, if there's no interaction, you literally become like impossible to find nowadays. So like, yeah. review, just, just put a like, right. it's you cooler. I hate them, but you think, just you think something. You think we had good Christian fun on our podcast for our just for, just for fun, just for laughs? No, I, we needed I, that I, SEO, I, baby. I, we I did, I did, I I did. <laughs> I started a podcast and was like, "What what do we want to do with this?" I'm like, "I just want to talk to cool people," and <laughs> and we got to talk to cool people. So I I did. I I had them on for me. I'm glad you all got to listen, but they were on for me, and I'm excited. <laughs> Great episode, by the way. But. It was a good episode. Um, so yeah, uh, do, do all that stuff and, uh, thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Join us next time and good journey. Good journey.